FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmx.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. What are you doing? When have you ever passed anyone clean yeah. ever? Yeah. You know, he's attacking people verbally. And your best co-host. That just works his balls 24-7. He you may sure. attack you on social. What's up with your guy that wants to ride the 125? Wash my hands of all of it. I want nothing to do with it. You know, just swing it from your nuts, Steve. You want to talk about a guy that may need therapy if sex and goes on a run? Lewis sucks. He was literally torpedoing guys. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Yep. And I'm in the shitter with a rider. I mean, you got to be a big Daniel Blair fan to pay that 499 Yeah. But either we're just getting worse in the whoops or the whoops are just harder than shit. Everybody sucks now. I mean, I just don't like when I see bike abuse. I wouldn't be on pulp. That's for dang Okay, sure, all right. Man. Dude, I don't even wear a watch, but I got my clock straight cleaned. Did you watch it on TV, dude? I just stalled it. In that, uh, <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Really impatient and just really, really a stupid move. As a man, I can admit, you're scared of the whoops. Rubbing his little pecker on your gas tank. I kind of do it in the dark. I don't know anchor brands. <laughs> just... Oh, my gosh. This is like a super long story if we go into it, but I'll try not to. He's like, oh, my... no way. You're like, really? You invite me? I'm like, oh, man, that's so nice. Two, two chicks, though, dude. Crazy. Two chicks in yeah. the movie, so. Oh, God. I almost forgot my question. I'm irrelevant. I don't need this in my life. I don't need your complaints about the TV broadcast in my life. I'm a, I'm a writer. What are you doing? Life is good in the basement. Video. Hanging over you like like a uh, like chlamydia. That's dark side, everybody. The man, the man, right? Yep. Like yeah, he's the man. He the, man. the man. He's the man. It's that time again, and this isn't no third level wrap up. This is the Pulpamex wrap up show, and I'm your host, Dark Side. Brought to you by Seal Savers. My two guests online are world champions, so let's not keep them waiting. First up, brought to you by Guts Racing, Olympic gold medalist, and one bad dude, Connor Fields. What's going on? Not much, man. I'm excited to have you on here. You just you are one of my favorite guests when you're in. I, I love talking, having you talk moto. It's awesome. Um, but also online, next up, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. He's the reigning air wheelie world champion from Race Tech Suspension and Engines, Checkers. What's going on, Jamie? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> well, I should be called Chris then too, right? Well, you don't like to be called. Yeah, I don't call. You don't want to be called Chris. I don't really care. It's just the fact that it's the fact that Steve just starts shit and then it all everybody piles on and then it just becomes a thing. So it's like, yes, yeah, Steve says well, I'm Jamie, so now I'm Jamie. Uh, yeah, even Sean Sean Brennan changed my name on the Zoom call for the press conference the other night. Like it says Dark Side Mode X Pod Show, and I look down and it says Jamie. I'm like, what happened? And Sean just decided it was time. Thanks, Steve Mathis. <laughs> but, well, you know, I don't want to pile on even more, but uh, my 
my wife and I have a shared calendar where we just can put in whatever we have going on. And I put on for the wrap up show to make sure I was ready for it tonight. I put on call with Jamie because I didn't feel like explaining to her what dark side was and what a wrap up show was. So it literally just said call with Jamie. <laughs> That's fair. It's not, I mean, hell it is my name. It's just, I don't know. I've got, you know, people have gotten used to knowing me as dark side and I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, if I got to go by Jamie, I'm I, I don't know, I'm going to keep pushing Dark Side. But if it eventually goes to Jamie because Steve Mathis has that much power, then that's what it is. But uh, hey, man, this week it's show 490 with Daniel Blair in studio and on the phone. First time Supercross winners Chase Sexton and Michael Moseman, as well as the defending champ Cooper Webb. Justin Bogle comes on and even A-Ray called in to explain his, I guess we'll call it his move on Freddie Norn. <laughs> <laughs> but uh checkers man overall thoughts on 490 well it was a ridiculously stacked show and i've noticed the recent shows all i you know trying to get through it and, and take notes and everything for the for the wrap-up show usually i spread them out throughout a week and to grind through the thing it was, it was pretty long yep. but i mean he had a star-studded guests on there and they all they all brought it like they did were fantastic interviews and really really entertaining yeah um, i completely Blair agree they they mesh together super well as well and feed off of each other. And obviously Daniel does enough talking on, on his side too. So it's really smooth and there's a lot of good points made and stuff. So, I mean, it was a, it was one of the better shows I've heard in a while. That's for sure. Yeah, it was, it was very stacked and the, the length of the show, you're right. Like last week, I think my time, it, it went like five and a half hours. It was almost 1am and this week it was like 1220 ish, uh, which yeah, I was falling asleep literally Monday night. I have to get through it Monday night or does or this wrap up won't happen. Uh, so yeah, they're long, but it was, it was really good. Uh, Connor, how about you, man? 490? Yeah, I thought it was really good as well. Um, just like you mentioned earlier, it was stacked with a lot of great guests and great interviews. And I feel like it's early on in the season and it's probably, you know, exciting stuff going on every single weekend. So getting a good group of guys, um, might not be that hard at the moment. Whereas, you know, come like August and we're on round eight of the outdoors at that point, it might be a little bit harder. Um, but every single person tonight, I had no desire to, to get them off and get the next person on. Right. Like sometimes they're interviewing somebody and you're like, all right, well, who's next? Let's get to the next segment. But this one was, was good all the way through from top to bottom. Yeah. I actually didn't even mention Jeremy Albrecht. So we got to talk about J bone too. Uh, I, I did not mention him, but yeah, you're right. Everybody was good. There was not any dull moments. So, um, but anyway, the show started with general discussion of the series so far. They talked about uh, Eli Tomac being three points behind or uh, being the being the points leader, but with no wins. Uh, Jason Anderson, he's he would likely be the points leader if not for a couple of the bike issue and of course the Barsha issue at A one. And of course, Sexton wins, and Daniel says, "Man, I wouldn't be surprised if he'd be if he'd go on a run, you know." And the other guy should be terrified of him. Checkers, what do you think, man? So far, this series, it's good, and there's a lot. There's going to be a lot to talk about for weeks to come on pulp. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of storylines, and we're going, you know, three rounds, and usually about round three or four, you you have a pretty good idea of of who's for real and who's not. And while this pretty much the same guys are in the top ten, they've jumbled around so much that you still don't really have any answers at all. Yeah. Um, like, I guess the one answer that you maybe have is that Anderson's actually for real. You know, it's not a fluke, but 
Um, and I think that's also the reason the show ran long and whatnot is there's just a lot to talk about because there's so many storylines. And I mean, you know, we haven't even talked, you know, they didn't even spend that much time on the fact that, you know, Webb's got a new bike and yeah, he's honestly struggled, but yet he's right there. You know, they talk about with him in his interview. Um, I'm sure that we'll get to that. Like, you know, he's in a great position still and honestly hasn't, hasn't done all that well. So you have to <laughs> yes. assume he's going to get better as the season goes. And same thing, you know, Eli and maybe some starts get figured out for France. So yeah, it's been super entertaining for sure and gives them a lot to talk about. Yeah, you're, you're right. And it gives us a lot to listen to for sure. And before we get into the guest, Connor, uh, your boy Christian, man, had a hell of a night. Um, you know, I asked him in the press conference about like in that moment when he goes down, like the average person, you know, if you're you're racing motocross checkers, you know, like if you go down with another guy, like you're you're panicking. Like I gotta get up, I gotta get the bike started. For me, I gotta kickstart the damn bike. I gotta get it out from under another bike. Like full panic, and oh, I forgot to put it in neutral. But but uh, Connor Christian seemed so calm and collected. Like he looked down, he was checking to make he saw oil. He wanted to make sure it wasn't come from his bike. Like the time that it took him to get going, watching seemed like a lifetime. But for him, it was like, no, no big deal. Got to get, you know, is that part of what you've been working with him on with the mental side? Um, I mean, you know, I don't think that we sit there and have a conversation like, hey, man, if you're ever in a first turn pile up and you're not sure if your bike's okay or not, here's what you do. You know, I think it's just more generally just his development and his maturity as an athlete, right? And just because somebody's older doesn't necessarily mean that they're mature as an athlete the same way that you can have a young guy who's really mature as an athlete. Um, so for him, he's just in a good place and he's in a good frame of mind. And it just, you know, something bad happening like a first turn crash really just brings out what kind of place you're in. If you're already like high anxiety, kind of on edge all the time, that's when it's going to show up. But if you're already in a good state and you're relaxed and things are moving kind of in slow motion, then it's going to be easier for you to uh, to kind of handle and move forward with. Yep, good good way to put it. I mean, he's definitely matured a lot, and you, you could see his experience in his ride. It was fantastic. Uh, yep. Besides having two first-time winners at San Diego, guys, we had some more aggressive riding that once again involved Justin Barsha. Uh, let's listen to what the guys had to say about that situation. So I started right behind Barsha, yeah. and he was literally torpedoing guys. And I'm like, oh, sweet. Yep. Got that guy. Oh, yep. Got that guy. Oh, down goes Bogo. Got that guy. And even if he didn't clean him out, he would hit. He would make the pass, like, so gnarly that I would just squeeze right by. So I'm like, okay, awesome. So it was a bad. Bogo's not happy, obviously. No. I like contact in Supercross. I believe there should be contact in Supercross. Mm-hmm. I've always said that. It's an aggressive sport like that. And sometimes in a – in a thing of a contact, a guy will go down, and that's also okay. What I don't like is guys aiming for the entrance or the exit of a corner, I should mm-hmm. say, with the only hope of, like, if I, if you, if I miss the guy coming out of the corner, I'm going to go into, into row three. <laughs> and anytime you're in a T, that's too far. You know, you want to yep. do that and knock somebody down? Okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't get retaliation in the form of another hard pass down the line. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with disqualification of Bogle. We can't have guys slowly riding around the infield looking forward to waiting. waiting to target guys who are on the lead lap. So I'm fine with Bogo getting a penalty of some sort. I, okay. I don't think you can do that. If he hits you as badly as you know, it sounds like Bog- Barsha did, then get him back next week. It's so subjective. It, it, the, what's unfair about judging incidents is that you do take into consideration past. Of course, you have to because you have to know, oh, this guy, this is what he does or he doesn't do. 
if you come in and do full bike on bike, I kind of feel like that's dangerous. You, you got to judge every single one individually, and that's hard to do when there's history. So if you go down while you're trying to make a pass, that's probably not a good idea. That's, dude, he's in the title hunt, and he's going to probably be in it late. He thinks I wouldn't be going and torpedoing people at round three. Yeah early laps of a race when you never know because those are lappers to you most times like they can get you back we're seeing it right now people uh, are getting people back so i i just wouldn't do it okay. i, I kind of like street justice a little bit I'm all, all for, year. I'm all for street justice too i just said that marv should expect to get teed up by mookie and anderson knows bar show one and i'm all good with all street justice quote unquote mm -hmm. but not when you're a lap down <laughs> Uh, Connor, so there's a lot to unpack in that audio that I just played, but the subjective history thing was one that really stood out to me. Like, it's really hard. We all we see these incidences, and then as fans, media, whatever, we have our reaction. And it can be different depending on a guy's history. And, and then the, you know, Bogle's reaction was probably very different based off Barca's history than it would have been if it had been somebody else that doesn't usually do that. What do you think about what they had to say? I mean, I thought they were very kind of fair and reasonable yeah. and they you know, supported what their thought was with like a fact or a statement. Um, you know, like you're saying with the subjective, uh, you know, judging somebody based on what they what they typically do. Um, I mean, really, I don't think they went too far. Uh, they didn't say it was, uh, you know, horrible and wish death upon him or anything like that. <laughs> sure, just, sure. You know, they just yeah. said what they felt. And then I you know, I would think that any rider would be able to be like, yeah, okay, that's pretty reasonable. But, you know, it's hard when you're the one they're talking about to look at it from that neutral perspective. But I thought it was very reasonable. And I thought that getting the supportive audio from um, Justin Brayton, who was right there and watched it closer than anyone, um, just helped back up what they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. With, with BMX racing, is there anything relatable? Is there anybody that is known for coming over on you. I mean, obviously we saw what happened to you in the Olympics. And I think, as I recall, you said that guy isn't, doesn't normally do stuff like that. Um, but is there, no, there are, uh, there, there are, are guys, guys okay. that, there are guys that, you know, um, there's guys that like, if they're behind you, you're calm and you know that they're not going to do anything. Those guys who, if they're behind you, you're, you've got to be on high alert. Um, but then at the same time, you just can ride a little bit differently and guard the inside a little bit tighter. If you know that that guy behind you is going to go for it. A lot of it too with BMX is situational awareness. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I guess for them, it's like it's the first lap. So did uh, and I think this is what Bogle said in the interview. It's like just wait two straightaways. You blow by me in the whoops. Like it's all good. Like you'll be all right. Um, but with ours, it's much shorter, sure. right? And so if you're in turn two, you're halfway across the track. So um, you know, I thought that Justin uh, Bogle. There's too many Justins here. Yeah, there's Bogle. A he did a good job of just saying like, Hey man, like you would have passed me. You yeah. know, just wait like two seconds. Like you, you'll be by, I won't give you a hard time. Like you're good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, checkers. What do you think about all this? Like, what do you think about the street justice aspect? I mean, I'm a, I'm an older across guy and that's just what, that's what you do. You <laughs> okay. know, you, right. you solve it on the track. Now at the same point, I 100% agree. You can't allow it when they're a lap down. Like that's as much as, um, it was, probably deserved from the photos that I've seen. Um, I wish that video would sur surface. Um, yes, don't we all? But it definitely deserved. But, I mean, yeah, I like the street justice is exactly what the way that I would like to see it handled. And as a fan, I'm all for rubbing racing contact. It makes a great storyline. We need rivalries. 
we need people to hate and people to love and some personalities <laughs> at the same point. Um, I absolutely love having Justin Barsha on the racetrack to watch and cause that drama as a fan. I absolutely don't like Justin Barsha because he takes, he goes out of his way to make contact where most guys will try to avoid contact and make the pass clean. I feel like he seeks it out and then he always is taking really, really steep angles into the corners. Um, and to where to me, it's annoying, but I absolutely love having him on the track because I don't like him. Um, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I enjoy what he brings and I don't want it to stop, even though I don't like it. I definitely wouldn't want to race with him um, at all, but that's, it's good for me to have somebody to root against, I guess. But um, at the same point, I don't really like, I mean, it seems like they make it everything wrong when they get involved. So um, I would rather them not have any, any part of it, unless it's something like, I mean, Bogo 100% deserved the DQ simply for the fact he was a lap down. And I don't think you can do that. If he wants to wait till next week, and blow him out on the first lap, then absolutely Barsha deserves it. Um, but not when you're a lapper. I don't think you can do that. No, you're right. And we're going to get to the Bogle thing here, and Bogle side of it in just a moment. Uh, one of my favorite points, though, of that audio was Daniel saying, and I hate giving Daniel credit, but <laughs> Daniel saying, like, it's too early in the season to do that. These guys that are, like, points leaders, they're going to remember this. You don't want to make enemies, basically, now because – I mean, we already saw Barsha's the points leader, and he pissed Bogle off enough that he took him out, you know, and and now that that cost him the red plate. You know, maybe he loses the red plate anyway, but yeah, you gotta be, you gotta think long term sometimes. And uh, I I think Daniel's point was very relative. So uh, we're about to get to Justin Bogle, but before we do that, I want to thank Guts Racing, which was established in 1990 as a premier off highway seat manufacturing company. Offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition, Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career. From Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit, Kawasaki, and many more. If it's down performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light seat foam. So, yeah, we, we talked about Justin Bogle. Obviously, uh, he was heavily involved in this thing. He was on the receiving end of the original pass quote unquote we've seen pictures no video uh and he came on man he joined in what i think checkers was one of the best interviews i've ever heard with justin bogle so much respect for that guy already i absolutely loved how he handled this let's listen to his thoughts and we'll talk about it take us through uh your thinking what happened and, and you know you're thinking about getting uh justin barsha back and, and whether you think it's fair or not obviously i i was I was wrong for what I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a man, I mean, I can accept the responsibility for my actions because you can't do things like that. And I know that we were only a few laps into it and I just wasn't expecting it at all. And I did, I don't even wear a watch, but I got my clock straight cleaned. Did you watch it on TV, dude? I just stalled it. And then, uh, <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. I had a, a momentary lapse in judgment. Some would say, and uh, it's something that I shouldn't have done and ran into the guy with the uh, red plate that, you know, <laughs> yeah, my night was ruined. There's potential to get hurt in those situations, you know, and mm -hmm. and it's frustrating because he didn't have to do that, dude. I I know I'm a, I'm realistic, you know. I I know that I'm not a contender right now, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yep. So yep. he would have got by me in the corner or two max. Really impatient and just really really a stupid move. Kind of needed him to know that I wasn't gonna just let him push me around and just take the shit. I mean. And in, in my 
in my experience with life, it's a horrible idea to to do that with somebody that doesn't have anything to lose. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. I just get sick of people doing things like that and it just being okay. You know, like, just be smarter than that, dude. Like, there's no reason for you to, like, have to worry about people breaking your legs in corners, you know? Yeah. Just know that I, I'm not okay with, with that. Like, just don't do that. But he didn't get a penalty for the pass. Are you are you okay with that? It doesn't matter if I'm okay with it or not. It's not my decision to make. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not my job. Whatever they decide, I, I respect it and can move on from it. And like I said, I fully accept my penalty because, I mean, I wouldn't want someone doing that to me. Yep. Um, I just think that at a certain point, he does it a lot, man. And it just, there's got to be a point where you're like, you got. I mean, you got to, as a man, you got to stand up for yourself. You know, you can't just let people just screw with you and, and just be, it's okay. Uh, Connor, I, I'm going to go to you first, man. Um, this, again, a hell of a role model in my eyes. Like, I've got a kid. Uh, Checkers has kids. Like, this, uh, Bogle came on here and took responsibility for his part, explained himself, but then also, like, when asked, do you feel like the, the punishment was fair on – the other guy, most of us would be like, hell no, or whatever. He, he said, man, it's not my, my doesn't matter. That has nothing to do with me. I, I, I'm taking responsibility for my part. And I, dude, I was just so impressed. Yeah, it was a great interview overall. And, um, you know, I don't personally know uh, Bogle, but I would have to imagine that everything that he's been through throughout his career and all the hard times and, and on top of that as well, losing his, his dear friend, which they went into on the show. Mm -hmm. um, it's just given him a lot of like wisdom and perspective. And he had the ability to kind of look at things from a perspective that not every athlete has the ability to look at things from and just really reasonable and um, kind of a whole big picture, you know, type of, uh, type of aspect that he was looking at it from. And it was, uh, it was an enjoyable interview. And, um, I don't know how you couldn't be a fan of his after, uh, I guess I know how maybe Justin Barsha's wife's not a fan, but everybody <laughs> else could probably have a hard time not being a fan of his after this interview. Yeah. I would think like, well, you know, even if Justin or <laughs> Justin's wife listened to that, they would have to have respect for the guy, uh, uh, checkers. I mean, how can you not have respect for somebody like that? Like he, there was just, there was no, there's nothing negative in his entire interview. Well, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it's like a it's a PR class for everybody. About yeah. How here's how you get out in front of something. I mean, the dude literally has went DNQ, DNF, DQ the first three races, and and honestly, probably just created a bunch more fans of him. And he went on there with the interview, and yes, he took responsibility for his actions, but he never said sorry. And it was, I was okay with that, even in the in the interview, like. It's unheard of for a guy to go in that situation with having a terrible season, terrible results, just had controversy as a lapper, and he owns up to it without saying sorry and still gains fans. Like, yeah, I didn't, um, didn't even think about but that. But it's just honest in from the heart, I think, was it's very apparent. And I think that, you know, that's super, super commendable and, and respectable. And, I mean, yeah, you can't listen to it and, and not just be like, yeah, dude, the dude's he's a real person. and you know what he's trying his hardest and I guess that means that makes sense why I mean Steve's mentions it quite a bit of how he loves Bogle as an interview and as a person and you know he tries to stand up for him and you know in his review shows and stuff like that when things aren't going well which is unfortunately quite often you know he's been through just a tough 
spit of injuries and everything else with his career. And then it's, you know, trying to ride through them and, and results wise, but that interview really explains exactly why, because he's super open as a person and educated as a person. And I mean, he has a reason for doing what he did and, you know, he owned it, but yeah, never saying sorry was, was pretty interesting to me, which, I mean, again, it's back to honesty. I'm guessing he's not sorry because it sounds like really he would probably do it again. Yeah, it's in, I didn't even consider the fact that he didn't actually say the word or an apology. But, yeah, he I think he felt like it was somebody needed to do something. You know, he mentioned that a lot of people reached out to him in text or DMs and was like, hey, man, it's about thank you or it's about time. And I, I feel like, yeah, he just – like he said, you have to show somebody you can't just push me around all the time. You know, yeah, I'm having a bad season, but – I don't deserve to be pushed around, and so I don't think I don't think he needed to apologize. So I, I didn't catch it, but now that you say that, yeah, I think that was uh, reasonable of him. A great interview, and we're going to get back to him in a minute. Since we're still talking about this incident, I want to talk about J Bone coming on. Jeremy Albrecht, who now works for the AMA, we know uh, with a couple other guys, you know, looking at these decisions. Uh, Checkers knowing J Bone for a long time, being in the industry, I liked his perspective being in this position now, and then telling us like. Yeah, I used to be on the other side, and I didn't really think about anything but my part of it, you know, as a team manager or a mechanic or whatever. And now I'm in this other boat, and he kind of brought a point that all of us, it's humanity, need to think about it. Like, you got to think about the other person, where they're at, what their side of it is, and we're not very good at doing that. I, I don't know. I just really re- I enjoyed the interview with J-Bone because of that. It kind of took me to that place where I was like, yeah, we got to – you know, you got to put yourself in the other person's shoes sometimes. Checkers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he definitely, um, he has a lot of relationships, which, I mean, it's going to make it difficult for him internally, but it also, it will help him in that, in that job because um, he, he was going to relate to them and talk to them because he has a personal relationship. And I mean, he also, you know, you factor in the fact that he was on a, he was a team manager for Weston Pike. Yeah. You know, and Weston had his, his share of run-ins and, you know, J-Bone was on the other side of those conversations. So he knows those feelings firsthand and he wants to be able to go and say, you know, he can go back in his memory and say, okay, this is how I felt. I wanted to be able to explain this and I wasn't maybe given a chance to or, or listened to. So, um, getting both sides of the stories before and then also just as a, as a group making rulings versus just, you know, one person saying, nope, it's going to be this way. Throw the black flag type of deal. Yeah. Um, I think is is super beneficial. I'm going to be curious on, you know, how those relationships and his reputation and that side of things um, changes as he's in this role and starts to, you know, potentially upset people. But at the same point, like we've seen all this contact and, and whatnot and, other than the Bogle penalty, they're really, from what I've gathered, there isn't there isn't much being done about it. You know, there's there's talking to, but it's it's maybe they're allowing it a little bit more. Which again, I said with with the Barsha thing, like I'm a fan of it. I'm all here for yeah. it. I think Supercross with contact is is better. But I'm wondering <laughs> if he has an influence on that. Maybe saying, yeah, letting the players no, play. Let these guys race. Like, we, yeah. we don't need to control all of this. They will take care of it themselves. Well, he kind of mentioned that, and I was going to ask Connor about this side of it. He said, like, the AMA doesn't need to be interjected into every pass. And, Connor, I don't know how much of J-Bone's history you know, um, but I think having somebody that came from his side of it, he raced, he met a mechanic from McGrath and, you know, tons of other guys, and, make, and then he was a team manager. I think having somebody in that AMA position that came from the, this side of the sport – 
is super beneficial to the long run of rulemaking and penalties because it's not just some guy to you know in a suit basically you know I mean, it's not that's not really the case but you know what I'm saying just some guy that doesn't really know the sport making decisions I think I, I liked what he had to say what do you think of J Bone Yeah no it was a it was a, a cool perspective and I thought yeah. the timing of it was great and I don't know if that was planned and organized that after the weekend where there was a disqualification <laughs> that was when you had him on as well as the person that was disqualified like the only thing that could have been better is if perhaps they were all on at the exact same time. Yeah, I got Barsha um, too. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you think Steve's that that smart that he or, or that uh? That no, he, he's smart, but I, I, I don't think Barsha would do that. I mean, no, I wouldn't no, have no. Barsha. I've been um, having, but I've been having Jay Bone on after this. Like, I'm sure, yeah, it was planned. Steve probably, yeah. yeah. Or uh, you know, it was like, oh, come on soon, and then it was like, oh, this would be a good time to do it, but. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You don't want every single pass to have to go through the channels of having somebody look at it and make judgment and vote on if it's okay or not, right? But the thing that I always find ironic with it is um, they get told not to do that, but you you know exactly what's going to be on the next TV commercial and what's yeah. going to be pumped up is the next thing is always the blast and the takeouts. Um, but, you know, like Checkers was saying, that's one of those things where you know, battling and sending somebody for a win or for a podium or whatever is a different ball game than when you're getting lapped and you put someone on the ground on purpose, right? And luckily nothing happened because of it. Everybody was okay. But imagine had um, Barsha broken his wrist or torn his ACL or something there. Then even then, I bet you Bogle would have been like, yeah, well, I probably shouldn't have done that. Everything was okay in the long run. Um, so everybody could kind of move forward. But that's where I think uh, just making sure that they don't do stuff like that too much comes into play. Yeah. Let me ask you guys both this. Um, so Bogle made his point, right? Like I don't want to be pushed around. I want him to know that I'm not going to be pushed around. Do you think I'll go to you first, Connor, uh, that now Justin Barsha is like, okay, maybe next time I'm going to think about this or is just, does Bam Bam just stay Bam Bam? What do, what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it's not the first time that this has ever happened for him. I'm sure this is not the first time he's ever been talked to or in trouble. So you kind of answer your own question by knowing that situation and knowing who it is, right? If it was somebody who, uh, you know, same similar to like Freezy, right? If Freezy sends somebody, then, you know, it's not like a talking to is going to change that. But yeah. if it's somebody who's never done it before, if it was a uh, Justin Brayton, then maybe in that case, this would be the one time and he would have learned his lesson, but you have to expect that Barsh is going to do it again. But with that said, Bogle put it really intelligently when he said, why, when you have something to lose, why are you messing with people who have nothing to lose? Yeah, that's why. And and it's really not smart. Yeah. That's kind of why I had this question though, is, you know, this wasn't the typical, like they're both close in points situation and that happens normally uh checkers like this time he had the points lead and a guy that was way outside the points he didn't even need to pass him like that decided all right i'm gonna wait for you and take you out like it's a little different situation than in the past and and connor's probably right nothing will change bam bam's probably like i don't even know what happened it was no big deal but like if it was me i would be like ooh, that yeah he kind of taught me I, i feel like he taught me a little bit of a lesson maybe i need to be more careful do you, where you stand, checkers? Yeah, I don't think Barsha changes <laughs> okay. at all. Um, all right. And you got to think and factor in, too. Like, part of the – they played the audio from Brayton, and part of that was it wasn't just Bogle that he, he cleaned out. That's he, true. He was, it sounds like he was creating <laughs> Chaos. multiple enemies, which, I mean, there's, he already has plenty of enemies out there anyways. Yeah. Um, 
and you just you don't want those because even if they don't necessarily get you back by teeing you up just simply not getting out of your way the extra little bit as of when you're lapping them or something along those lines can cost you position times races and points and you know it's it's very short-sighted to just go around smashing everyone and making a bunch of enemies and but I don't think he changes because I mean he's that's just that's who he is and, and always has been and I don't even know if putting him on probation or double secret probation or whatever <laughs> it would ever change him right. either. I think no, he's probably not going to ride like that. And I think that's part of the reason he's successful is, you know, the few times that, that I've gotten into run-ins with people, um, you immediately have this adrenaline rush of, I need to get away because otherwise they're going to smash me back. And it makes you go faster. And that adrenaline rush would make me sometimes ride better than I've ever ridden in my life. And that might very well be what's fueling Barsha to, to do so well. So, maybe. Um, you know, maybe he can't change that and be successful either. Mm, good thought. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Let's move on a little bit. Uh, he, they, they kind of hinted at show 500. It's coming. It's not that far away. Uh, I have zero inside information and nor should he give it to me because I'll probably break that. Uh and, and drop it early. I'm, I'm glad you're asking about this because I, I had a theory. I could be completely off, but well, I had a theory. That's what I want to know. Let's go. What is your theory? What do you what do you think it is and what do you want? Um what do I want? I don't really necessarily have anything that I want. Okay. Um but from a theory, and I'll explain why, I think it's gonna be Ricky, Chad, and James. And I, I like it. And why is because James is obviously like pushing his own podcast and it would be good advertisement for him. Um, Ricky is now working with triumph and uh, going to be promoting them. And Chad is always happy to talk about moto and himself and stuff like that. So you put the three together. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it, makes sense and uh it would be really cool and something that might not have been possible at show 100 200 300 400 sure um but everything kind of lines up for it now um but that's just it could be completely off but that's the theory that i had that's 100 percent what i want when i asked you what you wanted that was what i want checkers where do you where do you fall on this thing man are we going to get the 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 trilogy well i think that the detective work that i've and thoughts that I've put into it, which I am super excited and curious about. I think the Ricky thing is is almost a, a for sure thing. And when they mentioned that Daniel may be able to come and supervise a little bit, I I have a feeling that there's you know that connection is is part of it. Um, and again, just like Connor said, it wasn't something available at the at the other milestone shows, and it is now. So I think Steve definitely would take advantage of that. And Ricky's super in the mix right now of doing TV commentary and that sort of thing. So he's. He's very much, you know, up at week to week. I'm really plugged into what's going on. Yeah. Um, I just, uh, there's also the thing where Steve's put out there a few times that Myrtle's trying to pull something off for him. And I wonder where, if that's something that's lined up with this or if it's something completely different. Mm. And that's one of the questions I had. I was like, what, where would the connection there be? Um, I think the it makes perfect sense to try to do Ricky, Chad, and James, I think. Steve knows he can get Chad because he's he's willing, maybe expensive, but willing. Um, That's an expensive show. It stressful and uh, stressful and tough to to um, rely on James. I think, and I think that puts would put Steve in a really tough spot. And I know he 
he obviously loves Stu, right? And um, they've they've talked. You know, he came on the show and had a great interview. But um, for for Steve to try to get him has to be just so nerve wracking. Yeah, that's, that's what's going on. And is he actually going to show up? I don't know which would be harder to get. <laughs> Stu to show up or when he had chicken to show up. Oh yeah. So. Right. Yeah. I man, I wish I still had the gate code because I would definitely fly to Vegas unannounced and just be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here. yeah, what's up? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that would be, that would blow up the internet that uh, man. Yeah. It'd be an expensive show though. Cause I think he said that like in the past, it was like he had to fly Chad first class and, uh, yeah, it, it probably would cost a pretty penny, but it would be worth it. And, um, yeah, we'll see, I guess we, we don't have that far off. It's coming. Uh, it, it would break the internet for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so they, they would pay for the show and buy 24 hours on YouTube. I guess yeah, that's probably true. With, right. With that lineup. Right. Uh, going back to Bogle real quick. Uh, and Connor mentioned this, he talked a, about the loss of Ryan Federo, which I've never, who I never met. Um, a lot of good things said about him though. I, I really thought it was. Uh, again, insightful and honest of him talking about the emotion, like having to pull off at Oakland. I don't know if I've ever heard another rider talk about like, you know, I had to pull off. The emotions just got to me. It was super real, super honest. And again, checkers just added more respect for me. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure his team was bummed. He didn't finish the race and all, but the guy was honest, man. He went out there and tried and like everything hit him at once. And I love being able to think of these guys as human. Yeah, he was so open. I was wondering how Steve was going to approach that because I feel mm-hmm. like it's something you have to bring up and, and talk about, but yet you don't really want to. And I'm sure it's still difficult. Like it hasn't been that long. I'm sure it's extremely tough for Justin to talk about it um, because it's not like just somebody he worked with. Like they were best friends, you know? And Yeah, and it's only been a couple they, of weeks. They were living together, he even said at that point, right? Like it's um, it's unreal and you know, it, I've I've never been in that exact situation, but I definitely can can see where he's coming from because he explained it extremely well. Of you know, it's probably the first time that he was allowed to like get out from behind that wall of emotion mm. and actually feel it. Once the you know, once you're on your bike and your head's clear and all of that stuff, all of those blockers that you've put up to to avoid that emotion, all of a sudden are gone, and then it hits you and you know, it's not his choice. You know, he tried to show up and do his job, which I think that, you know, most, most people, you know, he's not in a title fight would, would understand if he said, Hey, I'm not even coming to the race this weekend. Like I just can't yeah. do it. Um, and he showed up and, and tried to do his job and, and what they have to be understanding of that for sure. And I mean, just the one word that you can say with the Bogle interview and is he was very just real and yes. raw and open and honest. And I think that's, uh, that's why he's getting such good response and um i mean it, it literally was all over twitter and whatnot you know people just praising him and his interview so yeah um mad props to him and um hopefully it'll you know obviously get a little bit easier for him as, as time goes and he'll sure. turn things around because you know he just made all these new fans that are going to be cheering for him now right and daniel mentioned it on the show and connor you said you i think you said you've never met justin uh but he is really that guy he the first time I ever talked to him until the last time I talked to him, he treats you like he's known you forever, just down to earth, friendly, always set, seems to have time for you, you know, one-on-one, whatever, and, and, and seems to be happy to talk to you. So, yeah, he's he's a great, great guy. I really appreciate him coming on Pulp, and uh, Steve did a great job, including asking 
the difficult questions. Uh, all right. So I asked you guys to put a list together. We're going to talk about co-hosts. Daniel Blair was in this week. Uh, we're going to we're going to do the Michelin Bicycle Tires top five co-hosts. Uh, Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Wrap Up Show. You guys know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from Pulpamex. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. To this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle tires. Uh, They've got bicycle tires for mountain bikes, road bikes, and now even BMX bikes. So those things are are going around. Uh, You know, Connor, if you need a set... Just let me know. I'll get you hooked up. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure you're good. No but, comments. Yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, my buddy TJ, my co-host, he's been racing a little BMX, and he's been running them, and he he really likes them. So check out Mission Bicycle Tires. Uh, okay, co-host Daniel Blair was in. First of all, first off, before we get into our list, checkers, how do you feel about Daniel's co-host? Do you do a good job? Yeah, I think Daniel does a great job. I will say the one thing though is he's gotten more and more serious about his tv role his amount of hot takes and um maybe riding a little bit more of a a politically correct line it's it's definitely creeping in and i hope that i hope he doesn't get too vanilla because he's one of my favorite people to listen to um i'm a proud patreon supporter of behind the paywall of his podcast same Um, i really enjoy it and enjoy his takes and yeah just i hope that that doesn't doesn't go away too much because he's you know trying to ride that line of not upsetting people and whatnot and i mean we've seen it with steve from when the pulp show started till till now he's definitely toned back a bit you know he's still one of the more out there as far as not scared to put his opinions out there and it might upset people but he's definitely not as gnarly as he used to be or even like back the early observation days when he was doing those like he would call everything out yeah and didn't care who he pissed off. I think that just uh, comes with age. I mean, even look at Howard Stern, right? He's he's mellowed it down. As you get older, you just perspective changes a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't see Daniel changing a whole lot. I mean, if when he has a hot take, he'll still throw it out there. I mean, he told for he, sure. He told, and like I said, I still think he does a, a fantastic yeah. job. I just hope that we don't lose lose too much of it. Sure. Um, I was saying before too, like he he just flows with the show really well because he can carry he can carry a show from carrying his own. So him and Steve are just basically like talking to each other and he's very good at talking to guests and, and actually, you know, adding interesting questions and stuff like that because he's used to doing it. Right. Connor, uh, thoughts on Daniel and what do you like out of a co-host? I I know from your list that you gave me uh, that you like humor, uh, I think, but what do you, what do you look for out of these co-hosts that, that you enjoy? And again, thoughts on Daniel. You know, I don't know if I necessarily have like a list of things that I'm looking for out of the coast. I think part of the joy is that um, every single show is different. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the, you know, what keeps it fresh, right? Because you're talking about the same sorts of things over and over and over again, but everybody's got different viewpoints and different um, like subtopics that they get into. You know, the only time, as an example, the only time that I ever listen to anything baseball related is if Chris Betts is on there. Right. But just that's an example of something unique and different that I am, you know, into when it's on the pulp show. So um, I think Daniel's good. I thought this one, like you said, he definitely tones it back a little bit. Uh, when you listen to his podcast, 
half the time I sit there scratching my head because it seems like uh, all these crazy takes, you know, like you were saying, yeah. um, like he meant, like you mentioned Chase Sexton winning in his rookie season. And, um, you know, I think there's one of his buddies is a co-host and it's, uh, he's like a very outwardly anti-French guy. And, oh, that's um, his brother. That's Vincent. That's his brother. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I listen to that show and it's just like, I listen to that one more as just like pure entertainment, not actually trying to learn anything. Yeah. Um, but Daniel is a smart guy and he does have some good points and things that he, he says and brought up and, uh, but he does have to keep it a little bit neutral, right? Cause he's going to have to interview all of the heat winners and the winners. And, um, you know, he doesn't want any of those guys to not be thrilled with him, I'm sure. So, uh, a little more neutral for sure. And I thought that he sat kind of quietly quite a bit and just kind of let the show just go on without his input uh, in a lot of ways, which I didn't mind. I didn't think it was a bad thing, but it was okay. noticeable. All right, well, let's do let's do this Michelin Bicycle Tires top five. Connor, I'm going to let you go first. Uh, who are your top five co-hosts? No particular order. Do you want the first list I sent you or the second list I sent you? You give me the list that you feel, mo- that you feel is <laughs> most accurate. I like the first list, but whatever you feel is most accurate. No, the first list I sent um, was Kiefer, 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 and Kiefer. Um, <laughs> That's a good list. Kiefer, Kiefer's my boy. He's uh, he's you know, one, of my, one of my favorite people to see. So yes. uh, I had him, but I also I texted back a second later. I, said, oh, I got to throw the Jasons in there too. Um, but I don't know if it's just because I know those three uh-huh. and like I I'm on you know, I'm, I'm text those three frequently. So um, I just feel like I can relate more to them. Um, but those would probably be the three just off the top of my head that I you know, get excited about when they come. Um, but I have to sit and actually like rack my brain, uh, to figure out if there's anybody else, um, that got me super excited when they came in. Right. Okay. How about you checkers? What's your list? Um, I, no particular order, but Kiefer is on my list. Um, I think he's super relatable and very analytical and I love after dark. I think he just mm-hmm. everything about it. He asks different questions and comes from a different perspective. Um, and seems to like everybody too, and everyone seems to like him and respect him. So that one, um, he's definitely on there. Um, DV, who hasn't been on that much, and although sometimes it's difficult to um to understand his accent, which most of the time it's fine, but I do every now and again have have difficult difficulty with that. But he's just brutally honest and doesn't have any f to give i remember back with like the ronnie stewart interview and he's like why are you even racing still <laughs> yeah. pretty much um, yeah yeah just yeah. the unfiltered part in i mean here's the thing he's got the accomplishment to to back that up like you you can have your opinion on when it comes to racing supercross because you've done it at the highest level i mean you beat jeremy mcgrath we'll put it that way um and then from an entertainment standpoint i have goldie on there um oh, yeah it's always so many laughs and you know he seems to get other people to loosen up as well and he also is, is pretty unfiltered which i guess maybe that's kind of a trend that i'm noticing with the people that i like too is you know he, he probably upsets some people and doesn't really care um so he was on there and then we haven't had berluti on for a while but just really enjoy the way that he can tell stories and you know when he was you know in the trenches every week he always you know he brought a lot of passion with it and knowledge um, from the inside and just I mean I think he has a super good voice for radio as well um, so I'm bummed that we haven't heard from Berluti in, in quite some time on the show and then 
Um, the last one I pulled up, and I think he only did one show, but um, Steve had Millsap as a co-host. Yeah. And okay. I thought Davey was really, really, really good. Um, him and Steve have a really cool relationship of jabbing back and forth at each other. Yeah, you can't really tell um, if they like each other or if Millsap likes him or not. Like it's, yeah, I liked it too. That's good. Yeah, so yeah. – um, and it was super tough when I started like writing down the list of, of co-hosts and not only, I was like, wow, there's a lot of really, really good ones. And, um, I asked Jenny at dinner actually right before this, um, she's a big Pulp Pony fan as well. And, and she said Chris Betts and I think Betts is an awesome guest on the show and, and I'm a huge fan and, and like his humor, but I prefer him more as a, more as a guest than, um, than a co-host, but right. the joys of the rotating kind of co-host thing is there's always something different and unique and it's crazy the turn that the show took to go this route versus, you know, back in the old days when it was this, you know, same two people every right. single week. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like, yeah, my, my list was very difficult to make also. And I literally just edited it cause I f- forgot about Galdi and Galdi absolutely is in the top five. So I had to drop Parabino. Sorry, Paul. Uh, but I, all right. So, and I noticed neither one of you picked me. So I guess I suck balls, but whatever. I picked three people because my... I couldn't decide. Yeah. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, so I'm going to go Kiefer. I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because it's my wrap up show. Uh, so JT and Weege are one. Because uh, <laughs> I like them together. I, I think as a pair, those three with Mathis are the best combination, period. Um, I'm going. Can we put uh, Randy and Goldie together because those two together? Sure, I'll give you that. Was, yeah, yeah, was so good. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll amend and that. And it's also the Michelin segment, so we kind of have to have Randy in there. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Well, I have Randy on my list. I have Daniel. I dropped Parabinos for Goldie, but then like while we're sitting here talking, like you said, DV, that's a great one. I love Caslu. I like when he has riders in like Carnow and Harmon, even though they only did it together one time. I thought that was cool. And then Weimer, I love Weimer and RV before they get tanked and i miss yep. eddie ray i miss eddie ray like i'd like to see eddie ray come back absolutely yeah he was he was really good yeah um he was another really good storyteller yeah um, which is which is something that just adds so much to the show i mean that's what watson always brought to right like the old kenny's corner stuff and mm-hmm. and i like that i'm a historian of the sport too you know so um i like to hear about all the old stuff too and maybe that's why Berluti made my list as well yeah Berlute's um, great all right, let's get back into the show. Uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be a long one if we don't. Uh, the San Diego 450 main event winner Chase Sexton, he made some time for the show also, and he talked about his first win. But honestly, it just got old hearing it from people that I like am around every single day. Like mm-hmm. I've told people many times, like, yeah, I want to win a race. Like I, I'm doing my everything I possibly can every weekend to do it, and it just didn't. It hadn't happened, and I think. I was thinking about it. I was my fourteenth my main event, I believe. So it took me fourteen tries to do it, which is it doesn't seem like that long, but man, it felt like I was out there for five years going for I, my first win. It's not that long, but it does feel yeah. like it, right? When you're not doing it, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it felt like forever, and it wow. just like because it gets to the point where you're like, well, man, like, am I ever going to win one of these things? It's definitely not easy with how stat the class is, and like, I had so many opportunities last year. I'm like, man, like am I ever going to get a chance to win one of these races? And then obviously it all fell fell together. And I felt like I was uh, finally comfortable being out front. Are you fully within your comfort zone the whole time? Until about halfway, I put in a pretty good effort of riding. Like, I mean, I'm obviously trying the whole time, but 
I put a pretty good sprint in. I think I got to like eight seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I could see Anderson and Tomac both. I could see him after the finish line. In prior prior races like Houston, I was just trying to put as big of a gap as I possibly could the whole time. I kind of just wanted to put myself where I could get to a comfortable spot and then kind of just put it and leave it where it was, kind of just manage that gap, yeah. that gap. But I couldn't get close to me. And so that's kind of what I did. I just wanted to be able to hit the whoops every lap solid and then um, just really manage and flow around the rest of the track. I I felt really comfortable, and I felt like even my heart rate was really, like, controllable because when you're out front, you get to control a lot. I knew I couldn't let either Eli or Anderson get close enough where they – think they have a chance so i just wanted to kind of keep it at that distance but obviously lappers and stuff i think i fluctuated like a second on one lap i got into lappers and then i kind of felt like i pulled a little bit back out so but yeah just trying to manage and not um overdo it so connor chase man we think about chase exton he hasn't really been a pro all that long and he's really good on the air when he does interviews with steve or anybody else like just a really good interview good information explaining you know like you can hear the maturity of from last year even to this year of the way he raced uh, i thought it was a great job Call yeah him. absolutely um he <clears throat> he does always give a good interview which is i find interesting because he is a very like emotional and fired up guy as an athlete but it's cool because on the flip side when he is doing an interview he um kind of shows a different side of it um but it was yeah, it was a good interview and it was honest. And, um, I like the analytical side of things too, where he was saying it's been 14 races, right. They knew exactly how many it took. And yeah. I would have had no idea, right. I, I, yeah, I know he missed some last year, but I wouldn't have known the exact number. So I thought that was a cool little, little fun fact. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, it's a separate, uh, topic te- technically, but Steve kind of gave him crap about ghost riding the bike. We know how Steve feels about that kind of stuff in the celebration, where do you fall on that? I mean, I know you don't race motocross, but you know, how do you feel about taking care of the equipment in the celebration? Uh, you know, if it was Eli Tomac and he was winning his 44th or however many races, uh-huh. then it's possibly a bit of a different situation. But when you are a 22, 23 year old kid, just won your first ever major 450 man event, just had a dream come true, just made, $200,000 plus, you know what I mean? Throw that bike. I do not care. Ghost ride it. And I'm pretty certain that his team and his mechanic would understand in that moment that he's going to go nuts. But if he wins again next weekend and does it again, at that point, maybe it's not quite. Yeah, at yeah. that point, maybe relax a little bit. But I feel like as a first-time winner, um, you kind of get a little bit of a pass. Yeah, so you don't think Zimmerman was like yelling at him back in the pits, God damn it, I got to stay up late now and put this bike back together. You know, he might have been upset about Santa Blade putting it back together, but I'm fairly certain it. that he'll uh, he'll be okay with that mechanic win bonus that he gets. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Checkers, thoughts on the same topic? Yeah, I have no issue with it. I mean, if it was the first moto of a national, I think Steve has a little bit of a, a point because they're so tight on time and to add anything extra to your mechanic <laughs> yeah, between, yeah, yeah. between motos, I could, I could understand that one. Um, I think it was like the old Josh Grant one I Glenn Helen or something he went on a rant about that maybe even started this whole thing yeah maybe um but other than that like I'm all about it like you can Brian Deegan go stride your bike off the finish line for all I care like you you won the race you I want excitement and emotion and 
that, that replacing some parts is, is really not a big deal between races or anything like that. So I'm not with, with Steve on that, unless it's, like I said, the first mode of an outdoor, um, I can, I can side with him a bit there, but if it's, if you're ghost riding your bike after the first moto win at an outdoor, you probably <laughs> aren't ever going to win another one right. type of deal. Like, it was super unexpected, I'm guessing. And so who cares because you're not going to do well in the second moto anyways because you're probably cooked. So ghost ride away, my friend. Yeah, I think first, like the Chase Exxon situation, first 450 main and first championship, it's open It's open game. Uh, but after that, yeah, you got to yeah, you gotta maybe – even like the second championship, all right, we don't need to blow the bike up at this time. Let, let's let's just, I don't know. The first ones are good, good, I'm okay with. But after that, think about your mechanic a little bit. Um, we talked about Steve not having an issue with asking the uncomfortable questions. And he kind of did with Chase a little bit when he brought up the JS7 stuff. point I kind of took away from it was he wanted you to be a bit meaner and a bit more like uh, not talking to anybody and, you know, and basically, you know, be like his, him and Ricky and these guys from back of the day. And you guys are a little different nowadays, all the newer riders for sure. I knew, I knew this question was coming. Well, okay. I, um, I felt like you should no, get to talk. I, I don't know. I can, yeah. Oh. I mean, like I've, I've said it a few times, like, I mean, everything, I definitely learned stuff from James mm-hmm. and uh, not everything works out. I think, Back in the day, everyone was very secretive, and mm-hmm. I mean, I am secretive. Like, I don't, I don't like to, I guess, ride with. I mean, you can ride with your competitors once in a while, but I don't need to have like somebody I race day in day out practicing with me every day. I, uh, it just didn't work out at the end of the day. And, yeah. Um, I respect what he did, and I have no hard feelings. It just, yeah, didn't really work out. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, listen. Not. I don't want to. I don't want to like say anything where just gonna get. I don't want to get into you don't want to, or Yeah, you don't want to uh, get social media or anything else. I guess there's no hard feelings on my end. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if there is any from his end either or whatever. I don't. Things come to an end. Trainers, coaches, riders, you know, all, you know, nobody stays the same forever. So, um, yeah. I, I know for a fact from talking to, you know, Chad and, and James and knowing those guys. They they look at all of you guys and like what the hell are they doing? They're 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 commenting on each other's social media. They're riding during the week. Private jets. Uh, private jets together. We got yeah. we got Tomac Roxon and AC on a jet. Times change. It's, yep. It's uh, it's a different animal. I think now racing is. I guess if you want to hang out with somebody just because you race them doesn't mean you can't. I don't know. It's just yeah. Times have changed and people are different. So I, I don't think there's one way to go about it. All right, Connor. Two things. There's more to that JS7 thing, and I want to know what it is. Uh, we'll probably never will. <laughs> I definitely want to know what it is. And then the other, the other one is like I like when the guys ride together. I like seeing AC and Kenny riding together. I, I don't dig the isolation stuff. I just I don't know. I, I'm not into that. But where do you fall? Um, you know, I guess I have a bit of a different perspective because. I do the same thing. It was different, but it was the same sort of thing. And I think it just comes down to the individual, what's going to work best for right. them. So some athletes, myself included, um, or I can even you know say Christian included, uh, benefit from riding with other fast riders to help push and motivate and make us keep trying to get a little bit better. But then there's other athletes that are able to do that um, without any external motivation or external factors. And if if that's what works best for Chase or Game Stewart or whoever it is, then credit to them for identifying what works best for them. But at the end of the day, um, <clears throat> I think it just comes down to the individual and what works best for them. Okay. 
checkers. Uh, we get your thoughts. Like to me, you know, if you go, you're going out and you're blitzing a set of whoops and you're riding by yourself and you're like, no way anybody can go through those whoops faster. I got it. I'm nailed. And then you arrive with somebody else and they're, you know, a half second faster. You go, uh, okay, well I got to figure that out. Like I, I just think riding with somebody else, one would be more fun. And two, you, like Connor just said, you push each other. You, they're pushing you, you're pushing them and you got to ride with better people to get better. Yeah. I mean, I guess you definitely get better riding with better people unless you're the best guy, right? Like, and in a situation of a, of a James where he was at in his career, the only thing I think he would be doing by riding with someone is, is benefiting them because they're learning from him. And he's most likely not learning that much from, from somebody else um, because he was just significantly better. Um, there's definitely more to the, the relationship breakup there. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase says no hard feelings, but I feel like there's definitely hard feelings or we would know <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. about what was going on and I honestly was a little frustrated with with the answer like if you don't want to talk about it and don't want to disclose it and just say yeah we just things didn't work out and you know dodge the question in a sense like I felt like he was not being completely truthful and open and it honestly left a little bit of a, a sour taste in my mouth so okay if you don't want to tell us what's actually going on that's fine like that's a hundred percent up to you to do that but just say hey I don't want to talk about it you know yeah like, Things didn't work out, and we moved on and, and make it very clear, like, hey, we're not going to go into this. But to kind of go into it, but kind of not, and then tell me that there's no hard feelings when it clearly, to me, sounds like there is. Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, that's the opposite of the, the Bogle interview, which, you know, he was just very upfront and open about stuff, and, and I have a lot of respect for that. So um, I think a lot of that's Chase being young as well. And yep. yep. You know, he said he knew the question was coming, and you could tell he was dreading it. Um, so it definitely, you know, threw him off a little bit. Like it's something you don't want to talk about. So I don't want to just ruin the guy by it by any means. But um, that's what I wish I would have, have heard from it, and because I just yeah, I didn't get much of the the answer that I I wanted. And I agree. As far as riding together, I mean, I'm all about having fun, and I like that side of it. But I also like want the guys that all hate each other to an extent, okay. right? Because the rivalry is cool. Yeah. Well, the rivalry is super cool. Yeah. Like, James and Chad, knowing that they absolutely hated each other and would just die to beat the other guy um, was was pretty dang cool. But I also, like, dirt bikes are fun, and they don't have to be serious work. And I think the sport was in a better spot. And, you know, with the era of dirt bikes are cool and fun, you know, so – I can go on either side of it. Um, as far as a competitor, I don't have a, I don't have a clue. Um, yeah. I always probably did my best work riding with my buddies Yep. because I was having more fun and, and I performed better that way. But I can also see you don't want to help your competitors and that's what happens when you ride with, with other people. I'm torn, man. I, I like the rivalries, you know, like when you're watching the race, you're like, Oh, here comes Barsha. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? But then I like the buddies too. If they're they're side by side, like you know Joe Shimoda and Hunter Lawrence or Jet Lawrence when they're battling, you know they're buddies and they're they're going to be clean, but they're going to race well and be and maybe they look over at each other and like I like that too. I like the fact that oh these guys are buddies. They trust each other. They're comfortable enough to keep it clean and be close. So I'm I'm torn. Um, but, yeah, I guess there's no right answer. Uh, San Diego. It brought us another first-time winner in Michael Moseman. Mathis got him on, and I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. 
Uh, but first, Steve asked him about having the pressure of that Hunter Lawrence, who I just mentioned, all over him, right? He's They're both young. It's still somewhat new experiences at that level. And here's what he had to say. How hard is it? So you're riding your race, hitting your marks, you know, putting, putting your lap times together, and Hunter Lawrence is on you. And, you know, when you start riding defensively, you start making bad line choices and your race goes to shit a lot of times. Uh, mm-hmm. How hard is it to just be like, hey, man, like – Focus, concentrate. I can hear him on me. I can hear the crowd. I got to hit my marks. I got to get through lappers. Like, dude, that's pretty tough to do, isn't it? Uh, it is. I would say it's very tough to do. Um, and I've done it um, a bunch of times in practice this year with Justin right on me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Pierce and uh, more than ever, kind of dealt with that pressure to where honestly, at race stage, it's just kind of like going through the motions and. Um, executing and honestly, I, I managed a lot of the race and I made very few uh, actual defensive moves. Maybe mm-hmm. you know, maybe three. At first, I didn't know he was right there. I thought I had a huge lead, and then I was like, "Oh, there he is!" And uh, <laughs> and then I, and then it just kind of got chaos with uh, the lappers and such. And um, so, yeah, that's that's a variable that. That we don't have at the practice track, and uh, I was like, "Oh, this feels just like the practice track, except there's like a bunch of people here." <laughs> uh, so, checkers, Moe's won me over in 2019. I think I'm pretty. I'm almost positive that was his rookie year. First time I talked to him, he's just a different guy, clearly, right? But he's not your typical moto guy. Very, very strategically minded. Even when he he gave his description, very few defensive moves, maybe three. Like he's probably he probably knows exactly how many defensive moves he made. I mean, he's a he studies chess. You know he thinks this way. I enjoy the guy. Uh, I I just think it's different. I think he's interesting, and I like I like his thought process in his racing. And I enjoyed what he had to say. Like yeah, normally that would be pretty stressful but i do this every day with barsha behind me like what would be more stressful than that yeah he's uh uh, he's a fantastic human being um as a person and probably way too smart to be a dirt bike racer yes very smart he's he does everything correct as far as just the way he looks on a bike his style is very very clean and, and very very is very well and he's always getting better and really i think it's just the mental aspect that's kind of held him back a little bit from actually making this happen because I feel like he's been in these situations and um, and maybe believing that he can do it and knowing he can do it are two different things and um, he knows he can do it now um, and I think he knew he could this year and that's why it finally happened but if um, I've had the pleasure to meet his both his brother and um, his dad actually as well and they're just amazing awesome genuine people and, um, and then he's got some some serious speed and I'm wondering what will happen with the confidence um, with it to go with it because yeah like you like you said he's he's very analytical of everything in his in his program and so now he's going to have all this new information of what it was like to to finish it and evaluate that and say okay this is what worked and this is what I did and this is why it worked um, they made the joke about going surfing uh, <laughs> yeah. I believe and uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's that guy because well, we got to do everything the same. And if it, maybe it's not surfing, but going to do something relaxing, fun hobby is now part of his routine every Thursday, um, before the race. So, uh, very happy to, to see him get a, get a win. Just, I feel like it's been a, 
it's something that's been inevitable and coming. And um, yes, maybe it, it was, he needed a little help from Christian for this first one, but now he might have enough tools that he can head to head, go up against Christian perhaps. Yeah. Um, that's what I think. Because he's, he's done it once now. I mean, we'll see. We have, we have some races and, um, Christian's a extremely tough competitor at this point as, as we've all seen. So, um, and he's mentally better than I think he's ever been, which surprised the crap out of me, honestly. Um, going into the season, I didn't expect him to be as solid as he is and falling in the first turn and just staying calm and, and that side of things. Now, maybe that calmness will kind of come over Moseman knowing that he can win. Um, well, that's so we'll what, ouch. I would say that's what having Con- Connor Fields in your corner does for you. <laughs> This is yeah. non-biased, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, Connor, respond to that and your thoughts on Michael Moseman. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it pulp wrap-up show. <laughs> okay. Um, I thought Moseman's interview was was really enjoyable. I don't know him, don't know much about him. I've always seen. Well, you know his a lot interviews. about him now. <laughs> yeah, well, I've always thought he's been quirky with the whole like fun facts thing, and you know all the different stuff that he does. Um, but yeah, like you say, he's just a different, different guy, but I enjoyed getting to know him on a different level and that it wasn't just only talking about dirt bikes and the wind. And, and now it was like 30 minutes and he was telling stories about, you know, when he had homeless guys living with him and, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that, that whole, that whole saga. And that was like, that was just good quality entertainment. Um, as well as it just kind of lets you know him on a different level as opposed to just, you know, how he approaches the whoops or whatever it may be. But uh, I thought it was it was a good interview, and I think it's going to help him get new fans, but there will also be people that aren't into it, and that's just, you know, part of it, right? There's different strokes for different folks, but I think there's a lot of people that will really relate to him and um, potentially have a new favorite rider after that. Yeah, he, he is very – he tells a lot of stories. Um and I think, I think it got brought up on Pulp, but the preseason, I'm almost positive it was a preseason 250 press conference. He started telling a story based off a question that somebody asked, and it went really long. And then, like, uh, Hunter, the guys were kind of making fun of him. Shimoda and Hunter, they were kind of busting on him a little bit. And Michael was like, uh, are you making fun of me or are you like really want to know because they were like yeah keep going michael and he's like i don't know if you're making fun of me or not but like it, it, he, he just once he gets to telling stories that's how he goes and he even said like i'm gonna try i know it's a long story i'm gonna try to keep it short but but he just can't you know he has so much thought in everything he does and yeah the, the help in the homeless stuff and that's just part of who he is every time i've ever interviewed him he's talked about you know his his belief, you know, his Christian belief and background, and he lives that, man. I mean, and, hey, more power to him. Uh, he is a really great kid, and uh, I actually thought he'd win last year, so I'm glad to see it. Um, yeah, so Michael Mosen was a great interview. I'm sure there was people that probably, you know, thought it was a little long-winded, but I, I thought it was interesting and different, so I appreciated it. Uh, let's talk about yeah, Sussavers. Really, oh, go ahead. I really um, enjoyed his, his homeless track. I thought it was actually – really really entertaining and i did want to, to clarify to to mr fields on the line that, uh-huh. that was a compliment that um i didn't believe that christian was mentally strong um and he proved me wrong so that was a <laughs> no, that was a fine. compliment so you, you, <laughs> no, you I, thought I, he I was mentally that. weak wow let's we're clipping that <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, dude yeah. 
<laughs> Come on now. Uh, no, I think the work they've done is uh, is very good in show. So that's what yeah. I was, what I was getting at was um, I was shocked, but um, yeah, it was a compliment that he's done his work, um, Christian. Thanks. No, I, I appreciate that. And um, <laughs> off on a, just a real quick tangent, I'll bring it back. I was uh, I, I thought it was interesting this week when. Clinton Fowler uh, posted the list of total starts in 250 class. And I think a lot of people, including myself, because I didn't know, were surprised that it was as low as it really was, right? So he's still learning and developing as an athlete just because his age is a bit older doesn't mean that he's, you know, finished developing as an athlete. He's still learning and getting better as well. Yeah, a grandpa. He's not a grandpa in the sport yet, guys. Chill down. <laughs> Hopefully, he enjoys. Hey, at the, the end of the day, the, the of the the day I'm fairly certain that that 99.999 percent of everybody making fun of him for being a grandpa would give their left nut to be in the position that he's in. Yeah, that, <laughs> right. when when that grandpa wins the championship, that check's going to cash. Oh yeah. Well, and then regardless <laughs> of the championship, I know what he gets on salary, and I know what he gets some bonuses, and you know, like I said, they'd give their left nut. Uh, yeah, I I would. I I've got. I'll give them both right now. Can <laughs> <laughs> I keep my pony and give up my nuts for uh, for? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about That's Seal Savers, like man. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of motor products. Oop, got an echo there. As well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Speaking of the pony, checkers, you're going to be at Mini, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I might have been part of partially responsible for lining up the assassins. Yeah, Jilly. Jilly is a friend of yours, which I have. I, I'm definitely have no problem with her cutting my hair. Uh, yeah, if it's going to get done, she was a good pick. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, she doesn't get to do the fun part of clipping the pony. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. that's keeper. But then she has to make it look good afterwards. So, good luck with uh, that. I'm I'm pretty excited. I was surprised to hear that there's so few tickets left for that already. Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to go to that? I mean, I I agree. I'm I'm do, all in. Do you uh, know, like I was literally thinking about this the other day, and you know, Connor, you can weigh in. Like, it's going to be so awkward for me. And for everybody that I'm just sitting back there getting a haircut while a show's going on. That's weird. It's only <laughs> awkward if you make it, make it awesome. Oh, man. I'm, I think I'm going to go. You know, they were making fun of my stomach ch- tattoo the other day. And, yeah, I'll, I'll own it. I think I'm going to take my shirt off while I get my haircut just to make it awkward. Uh, you know, again, like I said, it's only going to be awkward if you make it awkward. Yeah. If you just act relaxed and chill and. And all that, then it'll be all right. Maybe if you I'll, act weird, then it gets weird. Maybe I'll bring my manscape. You know, if we're going to cut some hair, let's cut some hair. Well, let's be real. Kiefer is going to make it awkward and weird no matter what, yes. because that's the quirkiness that he has about him. Um, and that's, I think, fully his intention. So, <laughs> I think so, uh, too. All right. Uh, all right, let's get back. Defending, defending champ Cooper Webb. Uh, he's one point down and just barely out of the lead. And Steve says, Man, you're right where you want to be. I don't know if that's really where Cooper wants to be. I think he would rather be in the lead, but uh, good. I guess it's not a bad point. Let's listen to what he has to say. Uh, two seven four to start the year. One point out of the lead. As I said when we brought you on, probably no worries on your end. Right, right where you want to be. Right. Yeah, obviously up and down so mm-hmm. far, but uh, like you said, you can't be mad at, at the end result. Um, 
I think I was looking. I'm I'm one point less than I was last year, and yeah, right right yep. in the thick of it. Definitely want to want to improve. Yeah, don't get mad at me here, but you haven't ridden your best. Uh, you know, right? Would you agree? Nah, it's it's been a struggle. You, you never know what to expect until you go racing. You know, you think that uh, you you have a a really really good mojo and you had a great off season and then you get lined up and you see where you're at and and where you want to improve and a uh, short time to figure it out now i don't normally worry about you or kenny in qualifying at all but i was a little worried in san diego coop about that qualifying. yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just man i i struggled all day yeah. to be honest like i just i never gelled with that track it was a few gifts handed to me no doubt um with that fourth but 100% chance, uh, Coop, that you made some settings changes for the night show, I'm guessing, because on the parade lap, they tried to pull you over, <laughs> and you still went and hit the whoops. <laughs> I like that. Good move. Good move. Uh, well, you know, they tell us we get a hot lap, and then they, they try to give us half a hot lap. Right, so. right. No, I was, yeah, we were, we were trying some stuff. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Connor, so, yeah, Cooper hasn't done a lot of interviews in the last year or so. Uh, but I thought he, he was really good, and I loved Steve pointing out the hitting the whoops in the parade lap because I had no idea. We're not there. You don't see that on TV. That was good information to know. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it's a nice, uh, smart, and savvy veteran move as well because <laughs> you know, they're not going to disqualify him for that. So, right. Uh, he gets to go and kind of get an extra run through. But, no, I actually was surprised that um, – Cooper, see, and I don't know, this is where it'd be interesting to know if Cooper was already scheduled to come on the show before the weekend, and then they added Chase and Moseman and Bogle because of what happened, or if um, they just put Webb on there as well, because it was just so overloaded with, you know, interesting people that you want to hear from. Yeah. Um, So it would be interesting to know if that was always kind of the plan, and it was always set, and they just added the other stuff around it, but... um, no, Cooper was a good interview, and uh, my favorite part of that audio you just played is when he starts to chuckle, too. You know, it's like one of those guilty laughs where you're like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, I like the I like Cooper's personality with that. He, he's pretty open about it. So, yeah, he's good. The, the, you know, his chuckles always – he does that a lot. It always cracks me up. Yeah. No uh, doubt. Yeah, uh, checkers. What about you, man? The uh, again, the information testing the suspension change, like that's something that I don't know that a lot of people would have caught that. And, and Steve's very aware of stuff. Like even I, I don't know that if I'd been in the press box and saw him hit the whoops, I would have thought, oh, I bet he made a suspension change. Like that's something I wouldn't have considered. You being you working for Race Tech, maybe you would have thought of it. Not something that I necessarily would have um, thought of. But those are the little tidbits of, of listening to pulp that you that you get and learn. Like you do, Steve uncovers stuff like that in super analytical, and it's awesome. And you know, it's something I would expect from from Chad Reed because he's a veteran. It's not necessarily something that I would have expected from Cooper, but of course I can see it because he's a, he's such a gamer. Um, and I I love his little devious laugh. Um, <laughs> just yeah, Cooper has this. Um, I guess it would be like a cockiness to him, right? But it's just confidence and not really caring about other people, and that's what makes him so dang fierce. Um, I really, I like listening to you know, like his interviews and, and such, and because there's so much fire there. Like, there's, I feel like he's one of the guys that hates his competitors, um, but yet 
then has fun off the track type of deal. But once yeah. his helmet's on, I, I, I just, I feel like you get this, this hatred and it's like that evil villain laugh that he has, uh, which is, is pretty cool. So, um, need of him to, to admit it. And I'm guessing already the AMA is getting phone calls of, you can't let these guys do a hot lap anymore. If they're getting extra track time to test changes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, you mentioned that's how you, the sport works. Right? Yeah, you mentioned his little, like his little laugh. Uh, how'd you just describe it? As what did you, you say? It's a villain laugh. Yes, yes, <laughs> and that yeah, like like Doctor Evil, and he does that stuff a lot when he, little things are. He, he's like, yeah, yeah, no kind of stuff. That's Cooper to a T for sure. Oh, that's great. And then Daniel and Cooper are obviously really good friends, and they had some jabs at each other, which to me makes the the interview really fun. Let's listen to this. If I was TMZ, then I would have I uh, would have done at Anaheim one what Coop told me to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now you're right with the TMZ because he's wrong a lot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I know that's why he went behind a paywall. Yeah, you know, on, on his podcast. So picked you to win. Picked you to win this year too. So you're right. Probably off on that one too. Uh, <laughs> uh, now I know what that means. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'll, I'll say what Coop told me. Okay. So all he right. he we had our team meeting. NBC. We're all together. We talked to the KTM guys. Yep. All good. Yep. And then afterwards, I stuck back, and he pulled me aside, and he said two certain things that I could guarantee, and he told me to put that in my shitty track report. Oh, nice. And I okay. didn't put it in yep. my track report, Coop, yep. but maybe I should. Should I? Should I? we talk about what you guaranteed? <laughs> Let's talk about it after this week. All right. Um, okay. Um, well, I'll put it in my track report. Damn it, Checkers, just like show 500. You can't leave us hanging like that. What What is this track report? I want to know what was going to go in it, what we're waiting on. I want to know, but yeah. I guess it gives us something to look forward to. I think that it really sucks when they dangle that dang carrot out there, yeah. and you just want to know, but you don't. And I guess we'll be tuning into the broadcast. I have an assumption that one of them is, is probably related to him being much better in the whoops, but I'm I'm not sure. Um, I, I don't know, but I definitely want to know and. Uh, Daniel's line about um, I'm I'm probably wrong because I picked you for the title. I <laughs> was driving good. in my car at the time when I was listening to that, and I about yeah. drove off the road. I was laughing <laughs> so hard at how quick he came back with that. Yeah, you know, uh, before I go to you, Connor, I'll tell you guys a little story. So, a couple years ago, I had a I, I had a writer on, and we were talking about Daniel, and then he he texted me later that this particular writer. And he said, "Hey, I told I had told him, hey, I'm gonna be talking to Daniel late later. On the, he was like my next guest. And the writer texted me and said, "Hey, tell him I said he's an asshole. Just tell him that a writer said he's an asshole. So all right, I get Daniel on, and I, I'm talking. I said, "Oh, so I just got a text from a writer that says you're an asshole. And he said, "Tell Cooper Webb, you know, blah blah blah. And it wasn't Cooper at all. So uh, yeah, so then I texted Cooper, and he goes, "Well, he is an asshole. So it was it was pretty funny. They have that relationship clearly, but uh, Connor, uh, talk, yeah, talk about what that audio, the TMZ of Moto, uh, just the the, react, the the relationship between the two guys and the, whatever this information is we don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I have no idea what the information is that we don't know. But damn uh, it, it was <laughs> it was uh, well. Even if I didn't know, I couldn't I couldn't expose it. But um, I, I need to text Daniel right now and see if I can get an answer. <laughs> no, it was it was good. Um, it was good audio and you know, they're, you can tell their friends and it's a different, again, it's another side of the athlete that you don't, you're not going to get that on the broadcast, right? You're right, not going to get right. that on a Saturday night. So that's cool. And, um, it does seem like Cooper is very, I guess, quote unquote normal in a lot of ways. Yeah. Kind of what he was talking about, how, when he leaves the track, he shuts off and doesn't think about motor all day. And, um, not that there's anything wrong with sitting around thinking about motor all day, but, 
Um, he doesn't strike me as the athlete that does that. He seems to have a little bit of balance and does other things and has outside interests and things like that too. So um, just always cool to see the athletes on a, a personal level. And I mean, I've, I've been blessed. I've been around a lot of top athletes from a lot of different sports. And I understand that, you know, everybody's just people, right? They all put their shoes on one at a time and yep. you know, shit stinks too. But <laughs> at the same time, um, for, for somebody who isn't around athletes all the time, it's, it's cool to see that side of them just to kind of know that they're, they're just like them in a lot of ways too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, an update real quick. Mathis texted me back, Connor, and no, none of the guests were booked previous to Saturday. So, yep. Interesting. Yeah, and I kind of had a feeling. I don't think he generally books the the, the phone guests uh, ahead of time. I think usually that's after the race. He kind of waits for the race to see what happens and tries to base guests off, you know, maybe incidences that happen. So I think that's more often right. than not anyway. Um, well, like you, if you would have had Marvin Muskin um, book this week, it probably, he probably wouldn't have showed up and done it. So right, right. That yeah. makes more sense. Um, and going back to Cooper for just a second off the pulp side a little bit, but I've had a lot of people like, I really like Cooper as a, a person. I say this about a lot of the writers. I just think a lot of these guys are great, but I've had a lot of chances to sit and visit with Cooper off record, you know, and just at a race or whatever. And like people always, oh, I can't stand him. He's cocky. Like, like uh, Checker said, you know, he, he kind of comes off that way a little bit sometimes. And he is that way, like Checker said, in race mode. But in real life, he's super down to earth. He's really, at least the, the incidents I've had with him, he's humble. Uh, he'll bust your balls. He's a dude, right? I mean, he'll, he'll mess with you and stuff. But like, I remember when he went on his first championship run, the first couple, he won three in a row early. And the first win, he was like, I asked him, you know, do you feel like you're, you belong now? And he's like, no, not really, man. I just don't feel it. And it took that third win before he was like, okay. He told me, like, I, I do feel like I belong now. And, and, like, that impressed me. And so I don't think he's as cocky as he portrays. I think that's the athlete competitor in him. So for those of the people that don't like him for what they perceive him to be, He's really a cool dude, man, and, and uh, yeah, great personality. Checkers, I also like that Steve brought up the Alden Baker thing, another topic that could be a little bit awkward to ask about. And, you know, Cooper talked about working with Burner and the strategic side of it. I, I appreciated that Steve asked that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think for for that question to be asked was was a little more comfortable just for the fact that Cooper's he's been around now. Um, he's a veteran guy, so – he expects those questions and, sure. and knows how to answer them. And um, I don't know what Stephen Cooper's relationship is necessarily, but um, I think that there's a respect there that Cooper knows that Steve's going to ask him the hard questions. And so he's prepared for them and he will come at him because um, Steve doesn't ever really give Cooper in, a pass on anything. He really doesn't give really anyone a pass. No. Like he's, he's coming at you. Um, and not in a, not in a mean way. He's just, going to ask the questions that the people want to know yep. because otherwise he's going to get blown up of why didn't you ask you know yeah he's the one he's definitely one of the guys in the media that that people will expect to ask those questions so when he doesn't they they come at him so he makes sure that he he puts them out there and, um but like everything else like cooper's just he's very confident in this program and he's a veteran and knows how to um to answer those questions so of course he was prepared for it and um, I know Steve's really high on the, the Michael Byrne thing. And yep. um, so he's made me believe in, in that too. You know, it's the power of pulp and, you know, you just, you hear it enough times and it makes sense. So um, you believe it. 
Absolutely. All right. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride. Only at Motorsport.com. All right. A few more things to touch on. Uh, Motorsport tweets. Slip-on Vans checkers. Where do you where do you uh, fall on slip-on Vans? I like them. They're cool. I don't wear them, but I think they're fine. I definitely don't wear them, and I'm not a I'm not a fashion person by any means. Fair uh, enough. I'm pretty pretty blah with t-shirts and shorts. Typically, um, I'm not up on on trends, but I have I have no issue with them. Um, I think I, I saw a photo of Steve wearing them at one point though, and I was it shocked me because I feel like it's a, a younger um, thing. And I was like, oh, Easy. Well, that's interesting. I wouldn't expect him to, to be in, in them. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't really have too much of an opinion because I'm, I'm far from a fashionable person. Easy on the age thing there. I'm the same age as Steve. So, uh, yeah, Connor, slip on Vans, man. Are they cool? I mean, it's teach their own. Again, like I'll just play it Switzerland here. Uh, cool. Somebody wants waffle, to wear waffle. Well, I mean, I don't wear them. I'm not going to wear them. But – if you know somebody wants to, then more power to them. I mean, people wear way weirder shit than Crocs. Than on Crocs bands. are weird. So, and checkers, I feel like you wear Crocs. No, I'm a anti Croc. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm out on Crocs. Yeah. Kiefer. No, <laughs> my chick wears Crocs, and it drives me nuts. Mm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, she's got to go, man. Sorry. Hey, I love you, Jenny, but you got to go. Think she's awesome at everything else. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. There you go. Yeah, I guess you got you got to take the good with the bad sometimes. But whew, that, those Crocs are crossing the line almost. Uh, You're right. <laughs> all right. Uh, one of the favorite topics or favorite uh, um, segments for me, the Race Tech Rant, Pulp 21 to save. Let's listen to the Race Tech Rant. I have nothing to do with the broadcast. Like nothing. What were they telling you? And you don't need to DM me and send me messages about how this audio was out of the broadcast. One, I'm at the race. So You're not even watching it. I'm not even watching it. Two, there's nothing I can do about it at all. About this, about about this issue, uh, I completely uh, irrelevant. I don't even know who to talk to. I have nothing to do with the broadcast, like nothing. What were they telling you? And you don't need to DM me and send me messages about how this audio was out of the broadcast. One, I'm at the race, so you're not even watching it. I'm not even watching it. Two, there's nothing I can do about it at all. About this, about about this issue, uh, I completely uh, irrelevant. I don't even know who to talk to when it comes to the TV broadcast. I understand it pissed you off, and it should. It should be sound. Mistakes happen, and nobody even listens to me, anyways. I am pretty spread thin with my responsibilities, and I pretty much have only control over what I do. I have no control over anything else whatsoever. Uh, Connor, I don't feel like we really should ever be surprised by what we see on social media and things that people, I don't know how to word this, like just with this topic, that people think or seem to think that Steve or Daniel could do something about these things. Like there are people out there that believe or just maybe don't understand how things work and it never ceases to amaze me. Like Daniel talking about the people saying, hey, the international audio is off and then like as if he should be able to go fix it. Like, do they? I guess they really don't understand how this works. I mean, I think this is just a, a very small example and a small microcosm of society today. Yeah. Like people, people just don't have any uh, ability to understand how things work, and not only that, but they don't have any 
uh, empathy or the ability to think about, you know, what somebody is doing and put themselves in somebody else's shoes because like Daniel's obvious. He's sitting there trackside with a microphone talking to a rider. Like clearly he doesn't have a magic button to fix something on the audio side of things, but anybody with any, you know, semblance of intelligence would understand that there is probably a team of people sitting out there who are aware that the audio is not working and they're doing absolutely everything that they can to try to fix it. Yeah. Now I'm not going to lie. I know that Daniel, I don't know if he wants me saying this on air, but like his phone is on and he will respond to a text during the live broadcast when he's not doing anything. And like, there's been times when a mic's been hot or same with Weech during the nationals where like the, the mics are hot when they're off air. And I'll be like, Hey dude, mics are hot. You know, and, and I think in that situation, that's something that they could actually radio Bondo and say, "Hey, we're, we're you know we're 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 hot." And but the some of these other things, you gotta go, okay, yeah, he doesn't have anything to do with that. You gotta have a little common sense checkers. But I guess we see even like I mentioned, I I don't know how many damn messages I've gotten the last couple of weeks, especially when I did the stink dog interview, where people are like I can't find the pony pod. Like, are, you really believe it's called a pony pod when I have said time after time after time on Pulp MX, it's the Moto X pod show. Yeah, and I don't want to call these people dumb, but it's like, I guess they just, it doesn't click. It blows me away. Yeah, I mean, uh, common sense isn't so common, comes to mind. And <laughs> I mean, it infuriates me a little bit that people have so much access to other people via social media that they, abuse it <laughs> yeah and don't appreciate it and i mean it drives me nuts like i get stuff in my personal inboxes on social media on the weekend it's like dude don't do that or you know if, if at least if you're you're texting someone well, you know them well enough to have their phone number and you have conversations with them like, it's a little different than just a complete stranger yeah trying to, to come at you like and it's it's also one thing if they're telling daniel because they want to make somebody and just say, Hey dude, I just wanted you to be aware so that if you didn't know about it, you can do this. Or, you know, like when JT talked about uploading the wrong show or podcast, like, sure. There's one thing to say, Hey, I'm just letting you know about this, but to come at them and say, you're an idiot for this being broken or (laughs) you need to fix it. I'm I'm assuming that people that are at the level that they're sending these messages (laughs) to Steve about the broadcast out of all people, um, they're probably dumb enough to be going at that that level um but maybe they just i mean steve got nets and supercross so that maybe is they true think he can he's got a lot of anything if they just <laughs> let him know you know he's <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, no, but, but yeah it, it infuriates me too just people taking advantage of um the things that you're at your fingertips and it's, right. uh, it's frustrating so i totally side with them on the on the rant for sure yeah um, I love the rants and I knew the international audio was out cause I was in the, I had the fantasy chat open and people were talking about it. I did not text Daniel about that cause I'm very aware that's a whole separate thing. You know, like, yeah, that's, that's probably NBC. Yeah. It's not even, yes. Yeah, anyway, uh, entertaining though, I guess I, at least we get to talk about it. Uh, two more things, future headlines. I'm not going to go into the actual future headlines. Just want to know if you like them checkers. Um, I'm I'm indifferent on them. Okay. Uh, usually, I enjoy the arguments with with Steve and JT when yes. they do them together, especially because Steve makes them overly ridiculous. I believe that's <laughs> when what JT's I like. On, like these, these ones weren't really that like they weren't that far fetched to where it was like, oh my gosh, that's neither of them are are likely. 
Um, so it, it, maybe they weren't as good, or maybe it was because there wasn't the banter that that came with it. But I'm I'm pretty indifferent on the on the segment, but I do like all the little games and stuff that that get incorporated into the show. So yeah. um, I'm all for them staying. I'm glad that they're not every single week. I am too. And Connor, I, I agree. I think they should only be done when JT's on so that he gets frustrated. But where do you, where do you, how do you feel about it? I, I like them, especially okay. when this week, uh, like, like Checker was just saying, they were both reasonable. Well, it wasn't so you like them like like when they're crazy. all reasonable. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I just find them interesting because okay. future headlines is like a fancy way to say like this or that yeah. or A or B. Yeah, sure. Right? And, it's, and so, you know, as an example, and obviously I'll remember this one as, uh, you know, do you think that, and they had fancy wording and names for it, but it's like, does Christian win the title or does Moseman win the title? Right? That's literally what the question was. Basically. And so, <laughs> so I don't and like that. So, and when you say it like that, <clears throat> then it just becomes an interesting debate. The same way you would debate, you know, do you think this rider or this rider will win in Anaheim too, or yeah. do you think that the Kawasaki or the Honda is better? Right. And so if you just like sort through the, the Fugazi of the, of the, <laughs> the wording, then, then it just becomes a, uh, a this or that statement. Okay. Yeah. No, I like them when you, when they're both things that you don't want to pick either one, but you're forced to pick one. I like that way better. It's way more entertaining to have JT have a nervous breakdown over them. Uh, All right, last thing, X-Brand tear-offs. There was one in particular that really stood out. I know we don't know who this Moser guy is, and sometimes his questions are really bad, but this one I liked. On the TV broadcast, it was hard to see, so I assume down on the floor you got a better look. What brand of anchor was Marvin dragging around the track? (laughs) Oh, wow. It's coming in like that. Uh, I don't, I don't know anchor brands. (laughs) I was going to say, can you name one? Yeah, I didn't know there was branding. Very, very clever by Moser, and I just want to give him credit. I thought that was really good. Uh, checkers, I mean, am I am I over exaggerating this a little bit? But I was hyped on it. I thought it was hilarious, especially because um, when they're being read, they're just just being read normal. Like yeah. it's not like when you tell a joke and it has you can see that there's a punchline coming. <laughs> it just um, it just came out so smoothly, and yep. um, I really I enjoyed it a lot more than watching. Marv dragged that anchor around because I may have had something riding on him being the top 10 and I was oh, getting really nervous. Supercross, yeah, Supercross Survivor. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was stressing oh, um, to say the least and maybe let some other efforts out <laughs> at my TV <laughs> yeah. as he was going backwards. But yeah, it's not like Moser really takes shots like that in those either. It was super different. It like, was. It's not something that he normally does. That's, it's what caught me off guard and I thought it was every bit as awesome as you did. Did you find it entertaining, Connor? Yeah, I, I did not see it coming yeah. either. That was probably what the best part was. It just blindsided us. But uh, I, I thought that was that was really good. And I had the same question. Like, when he got the whole shot, I fully wouldn't have been surprised if he would have rode away with it. Yeah, so it was weird. I, it was a valid question. Uh, agreed. Good job, Moser. All right, guys. For the most part, that is a wrap on this show. I want to thank... Uh, motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Motors, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Michelin Motorcycle Tires. Why not? And Seal Savers, along with all the other Pulp MX sponsors, including Race Tech, Fly Racing, X Brand Goggles, Works Connection, and many more. Visit pulpmxshow.com for this and click on the sponsor deals tabs. Links, discount codes are all there. If not, use a contact form, and Steve will try to hook you up. Uh, before I let you go, checkers, anything I missed that you want to talk about? 
Um, I think that pretty much wraps up the show for, for the most part. And um, I just wanted to say that it's, it's awesome to hear Connor doing so well. Um, I didn't get yeah. to say that at the beginning of, of the show, but I think the whole Pulp Nation is, became huge Connor Field fans as well. Um, so to hear you doing well and, and see your progress, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you here in a second. Well, first, let me ask you if there's anything you want to touch on on the show before we continue. Anything we missed? Connor? Um, no, not necessarily. I guess, you know, I just will say my favorite part of the entire show was Michael Moseman's stories about oh, good uh, about that stuff just because, like, I was sitting there listening to it thinking to myself, I would never in a million years do that. And, you know, maybe that makes me not a man of God or whatever because I wouldn't allow random people in my house. But I just enjoyed that, and it lets me kind of know – him or understand him on a totally different level. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool. Oh, good. Good to hear that. Um, okay. So to you real quick, I did want to ask, like, give us an update. Like, I think I saw on social media recently, you went back up to Colorado for some checkups. Like, how are, how are you feeling? You know, where do you stand? Well, the Colorado thing was totally different. I oh, okay. uh, had to get shoulder surgery ah. because I messed up my shoulder and they didn't want to put me back under for a big surgery after a head injury. So okay. I had to wait to get the shoulder done. So that shoulder's at about two and a half months now and it's coming along. I actually today um, did push-ups for the first time. I was on my knees, but it still counts. Um, so shoulder's coming along and then next month is my six month checkup for my head. And it's crazy because it feels like it's been six years. Yeah. I, like it seems like it wasn't only six months ago, but uh, July 30th was the day of the Olympics and the day of the crash. And, so we're just coming up on six months here uh, this week. So I'll go back to the, the neurologist and do some more scans and see how things look. And it was not just a concussion. Um, it was brain bleeding. So it's a totally different ball game to recover from that um, and get that clearance to do anything where you might hit your head again. So I'll just, we'll see what he has to say and how the scans look when we go in there. But overall, most importantly, I feel back to normal. Um, you know, which is great. It took probably four months for me to start feeling normal again and stop having some sort of symptoms or lingering effects. So it's been really, really, really nice to feel back myself again. That's good to hear, man. And I know you, you're, you're kind of up in the air on where your racing career is going to go. Um, any feelings of just getting on a bike and pedaling, you know, doing some laps or, I mean, is that still far off? Uh, well, I mean, I couldn't even uh, if I wanted to because of my shoulder. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that was dumb, dumb, dumb I'm question. On, uh, <laughs> I'm on my my uh, my Zwift, which is just road bike stationary at the moment. Yeah. But uh, you know, really, it just comes down to if the doctor says, "Hey, you're good. Uh, you're not at any r- more risk now than you would have been before." Then then I'll do it. But at the same time, if the doctor's like, "Hey, you're going to be at extra risk." Um, we're not talking about an ACL here. I'm talking yep. about my, my, my head and, and being able to life. live a normal life. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like I really don't feel much pressure cause I'm thankful because I am older than 29 and I've done everything I could possibly do in the sport. So it's not like, uh, I'm a young kid who is getting my whole career ripped away from me before it even begins. Like, you know, I, I've been there, done, done it all. So I kind of feel content if this is it but obviously it's not the way you want to end right like i don't even remember the olympics so it's you don't want to retire and not even remember your last race right well connor man it is really great seeing that you're on your road to recovery is better every day man it's it was really we talked about it before a scary moment and glad to see you're doing better Uh, i appreciate you and checkers coming on here if that's it though it's a wrap we're out of here 
Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks. Hey, and if I don't yep. talk to you before, good luck with the uh, with the haircut. Ugh, thanks. <laughs> All right. We're out of here. That's it. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show? Tea and me.